Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, everyone, to Marvelous Monday. It is great to be right back here with you again today. It has been a busy, busy week since last Monday, but then every single day is a busy day. So we're ready to get started for today's show. We have some very, very amazing guests and some outstanding information that we want to continue to disseminate out there to all of the people around Texas and around our nation. Uh, We want to first thank each of you for coming right back here tonight to listen uh, to Marvelous Monday. It's always a pleasure to have each and every one of you. We had some outstanding guests throughout last week, and so we're going to have a couple that's going to be on with us tonight. But before we get started, We're going to do our roll call to make sure that our great team members are out there. Uh, Miss Rihanna is out and about right now helping some of our seniors there in her area. They're in Kentucky. Uh, The one thing that we know we have to do is we have to take care of those that are housebound, those that cannot get out to get food, and those are our seniors, those that may have compromising illnesses that will preclude them from totally being out, even though a few of us get out a little bit, but uh, to make sure that we help those others that need or are in need. And, uh, but, but preferably that everybody is being careful that they're putting on their mask and they're putting on their gloves and using their hand sanitizer and their uh, wipes, their Clorox wipes and all of the things that we need to do, we want to make sure that we're doing it. And so what I'm going to ask of you, since Ms. Rihanna is not at, uh, she's our engineer, as you know, and she's not at, at the board right now. So if you would, uh, once we do our roll call, if you mute out, and then we're going to invite our special guests to come in and speak to us. And then when everybody's called on, your individual ones are called on, then we'll give you a few seconds to unmute your phones. And, and then we'll talk. We have a lot to talk about tonight. And we're going to kick off with, uh, we're actually going to kick off with uh, uh, small businesses. And uh, we're going to end with uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, one of our team members, uh, to talk about, uh, as we talk about coronavirus uh, and how we are faring uh, in this country and in our individual states. Uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, the small businesses and how uh, they can be assisted so uh, I'm going to begin. Uh, first, we're going to do our roll call. And Mr. Arthur, are you there? Mr. Arthur out of Dallas, Texas, are you there yet? Mr. Arthur Fleming, let us know if you're there. I'm going. To, I'm doing my roll call. So, Dr. Nancy Nichols, are you there? Dr. Nancy Nichols, I, I, I hear a lot of moving around. So I'm going to ask you to please mute until I until you're called on, so that we can have a good, clean, clear recording 
So I know Ms. Rihanna is not there yet, and so uh, let's see if Dr. Nichols is not there and Mr. Arthur is not there. Ms. Jean Russo, are you there? I am. Good evening, Dr. McKellar. How are you? Yes, I'm great, ma'am. Good evening, and it's always uh, great to hear Ms. Jean Russo's voice. Uh, She's going to bring a special guest in for us tonight uh, as well. And then I have a special guest that I have invited uh, by the name of... uh, Miss Reggie uh, Kemp. Miss Reggie Kemp is a small business owner, uh, minority-owned business. She's been in business for a very long time, and so uh, we're going to start with her. Uh, Miss Reggie, are you there? I am here, and I believe my business partner has joined us tonight. Her name is Colette Porter. Yes, wonderful. It's great to have Miss Colette Porter. Miss Colette, you can open your line and meet your phone and, and say hello to us, and then we're going to start with the two of you ladies. And then after that, we're going to move over to uh, the special guest that Miss Jean Russo has with us tonight. And we just, we're just excited to have everybody that comes right back here with us on Monday night and enjoy a marvelous Monday with us. These are some trying times, but we still have something to be grateful and to be thankful for. So I'm thankful that, that Miss Reggie is on. We had an amazing um, Candidate, well, let me back up. Not candidates. Well, well, I guess business candidates forum uh, this past week. I'm so used to saying candidates because we have a I lot know. of that going on right now. This is election season, but uh, but Miss Reggie and Miss Colette put on an outstanding uh, business forum uh, this past week, Friday to be exact, and it was out composed of all. Uh, small business owners, uh, nonprofit owners, uh, elected officials who uh, as well are small business owners or have been. So I'm going to begin with you, Miss Reggie. Just uh, introduce yourself. I'm going to mute out and allow you the opportunity to introduce yourself, and then Miss Colette can introduce herself, and then you can talk a little bit about your business and, and where we went from last Friday up until where we are right now. But I appreciate you ladies being on with us tonight. Go ahead, Miss Reggie. Very good. My name is Reggie Stearns Kemp, and I'm a CEO of Red Development Group, and we are a company that's headquartered out of Fort Worth, Texas, but we are global. And we created a, a company, a firm, to handle the developmental needs of businesses. So entrepreneurs from all over the world can come to us and get the proper tools that they need to grow, expand, and profit. And uh, I have with me Colette Porter. Hello, I am Colette Portis. I am the COO and the founding partner of Red Development Group. And um, as my partner said, it is our mission and our desire to help business owners really grow their business and build a sustainable business, which we're seeing today the difference between those businesses that are sustainable and those that have have just been driving their revenue. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great, and thanks for being here. And so it's always a pleasure to have anyone who's going to help small businesses who actually carries this country, whether we know that or not, uh, to be able to continue to be sustained, uh, especially during the uh, coronavirus crisis. And so, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to repeat this once again. If, if everybody that's speaking, if you can get into a quiet 
place, no moving around so that we don't hear any background noises. And so that when we get in 24 hours, when we get this recording, that we don't hear any moving about, water running, those kinds of things. Sometimes people are busy doing their things around and about in their homes while they're talking on online, but all of those noises uh, will be picked up. So, uh, Ms. Ray, you, you, you decide whichever one of the two of you want to start. I want to know a little bit about the company and what drove you ladies to, uh, to decide to uh, start this business company. Go ahead. Well, for me, I was a um, CEO of a, another company for 25 almost 30 years, and when I got ready to sell the company, I realized that if I had just tweaked some things, then the amount that I could have sold the company for would have been much different than the amount that I put it on the market for. And then I thought about all the times that I needed assistance or information on certain things, and I really just didn't know where to turn. And so when one um, – when when I went from one company to the other, I did, we decided to build a company that would meet the needs of an entrepreneur. So everything that I felt like I didn't have, I needed, I wanted, I desired, we came up with the right tools and the structure, and we crafted something that was going to be uh, perfect for entrepreneurs so that they could have a place to come. They can get the tools that they needed to grow or to expand or to build the right teams and and um, so that's how Red Development Group evolved. And so right. Colette possibly has uh, information in regards to why she decided to join, you know, join in on this endeavor. But our main goal was to meet the needs of entrepreneurs so that they can grow in a very holistic manner and be successful at the things that they did. Sure. Okay, great. So let me just share with you ladies that I've always heard in the past that that small businesses, and I actually even just made that statement uh, because it's, a, it's an intricate part of me, but that small businesses uh, really was the backbone or is the backbone of our economy. Tell me if you think that that is a fact and, and why you think uh, that that is a fact. Go right ahead. So small business really is the backbone of our economy. I think the number is somewhere between 97 and 98% of the business in U.S. is small business. Um, so we oftentimes think that big business is what drives our economy, and absolutely they do their part. But small sure. business is what keeps us going every day because it's those small business owners that are really driving our local economies and not, you know, your small business and for the most part, isn't sourcing for us from other countries and things like that. If they are, it's not the majority of what they do every day and what they use every day that they're sourcing from, from other countries. So they're sourcing right there in, their, in our neighborhoods. And so we are really the driving force of, of our economy. And so what, what caused me to um, join this team at Red Development Group and, and and start this organization was I, I tell the story all the time about coming from a family of entrepreneurs. My both of my parents, both sets of grandparents, my aunts and uncles, they were all entrepreneurs. And so I didn't sure. know there was a time clock to punch until I was twenty seven. Well, <laughs> they had six figure earning businesses and I'm from an African American family and in the sixties, six figure earning business for, you know, an African American family was 
wasn't the the easiest thing to do, but that's where I come from. Unfortunately, though, um, those businesses, you know, lasted until probably the mid-90s, and then they were gone. And so here we are, my generation, we start from zero. And there's only two of us that are actually even entrepreneurs. And so my heart's desire is to make sure that although my background is, is a pretty phenomenal story, it kind of ends tragically in a sense, you know, in the sense that my grandparents and parents weren't able to allow us to carry on what they, what they built. And so my desire and the reason I, I joined this Red Development Group team um, was to really, as Reggie said, create a holistic answer for small businesses that not only allows them to drive their revenue, because we oftentimes think revenue means success and revenue means sustainability, but what I've learned in my life is that it doesn't. There's a lot of things that have to happen that we just don't know we don't know. And so Red Development Group is here to solve that problem. What is it that business owners don't know that they don't know? And we're going to be responsible for staying abreast of that information and doing things like we did last Friday with the community forum to keep them abreast of the information, keep them active in the community so that they can really build sustainable businesses and make a decision at the end. If they're going to close it, then they can sell it. Or if they want to pass it on, then they can do that. Outstanding. You know what? I, I'm so glad that, that you brought that up and that we're having uh, this particular conversation because so many uh, African-American business-owned businesses uh, have that same story. Uh, my family being in the agriculture business here in Tyler, Texas, as well as the hair care business, uh, my, my father or his father, his parents, None of his siblings, they all were entrepreneurs. They all worked for themselves. And then, so mine was agriculture, watermelons, roses, potatoes here in East Texas. And so once, once the, the, the students, uh, when I say students, I'm, I mean the offsprings, we as students went away to college. Uh, and then a lot of them did not come back. To East Texas, and I don't know if that was the case with your family and the family business and why it did not continue to thrive, but, but they were not interested in the farming and the agriculture, which is a, a very lucrative business. We all need food, right? We all got to eat, and that's a business that can go, that can actually could have gone on and on and on, but because the offsprings were not interested in continuing that, they didn't come back. They went away and lived across the nation. Can you share with us a little bit about that bit, the type of business that it was, and why do you think that it did not continue to uh, flourish, Ms. Collette? Absolutely. You know what's interesting is I started my first business at 14, and my family, my aunts were hairstylists. We grew up in the salon. Naturally, the first thing I did was hair, and I would make $500 a week out of my house Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning because I had to be at the mall by 2 o'clock to buy shoes. So um, <laughs> that, so that was what my <laughs> – that was the priority, and my family and friends all knew it. They couldn't disrupt that. Um, but I that, – so that was what my aunts did. My father and my grandfather had an auto body shop, and my dad – my grandfather passed away in, I think, 93, and my dad just last year reopened his own body shop. And so it's been that long of of a period of time. But what happened was 
they they never talked to us about being an entrepreneur, ever. Never talked to us about business, even though that's what they did. But they always encouraged us to go to college. And so, Councilwoman, what I did is I went to college, I got six degrees. And then I realized that I wasn't, I, I hadn't made it to the, the American dream yet, because this is what they told me would get there. When all along they had the American dream, they just didn't know how to make it sustainable so that we could carry it. And so wow. the reason that it didn't stay is they were really great. Like my family knows how to make money, but what they didn't yeah. understand was how to duplicate that process so that they can teach it to us so we can come in and take on pieces, the pieces that we want to take on. And and that's one of the things that we teach at Red Development Group. Your family wants to help you, but they don't want to help you the way you want them to help you. And so you got to have them allow them an opportunity to say where they want to fit inside of your business, or maybe you sell the business, you keep a portion of it so it continues to care for your family and it seeds what your kids want to do if they start a business. But that's what was missing. There was no system. There were no processes. All of those processes and systems were in their heads. They were never written down or anything like that. And so because they didn't have anything to pass on to us. So when my grandfather passed away, although he said that my father was better at it than he was, the business went down even though it got passed on to my dad because he didn't know the business side. He could create a car from a rim. Wow. In so many ways, we have so much in common. It's amazing, but my, but I can share this with you that our parents told us to go to school, get the greatest education ever, find out what you may be interested in. My, I think I mentioned this on the uh, forum on, on Friday is that our parents told us, my father, my grandfather, don't always focus on being an employee, be an employer. So I appreciate that part. And then if you needed to go to beauty college and become a cosmetologist, you had to come through uh, Sweat's Beauty College. And then it was sold to my father's uh, sisters who were all cosmetologists. They went on to get their uh, pieces of paper back then, and then they are the ones that you had to come by in, if you wanted to become a cosmetologist and get your license as African Americans, since you know that was separatism back then. So we have a lot in common. I'm, my daughter's going to be on with us a little later on, and who is I'm here. Even though, yeah, oh, Jill, hello, how are you? Well, I hope you're listening. Yes, ma'am. How are you? I've just been listening. Great. Well, we're going to jump over, and we're going to talk talk to Miss Reggie a minute. We're talking about entrepreneurship, so I want you to talk about uh, uh, Dr. Daniel. That's my daughter, Dr. Daniel McKellar, and uh, she's going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and her background, which is my background that continued on, because you're right. It's important for us to carry that legacy on to make sure that the rest are educated. Ms. Reggie, I know you come from a, a family of entrepreneurs as well, so you want to share a little bit about your background, and then I want to find out where Ms. Colette, uh, where she was born and bred, and then I know okay. where Ms. Reggie was, but you can share with us a little bit about the Stearns family in East Texas. Ms. Reggie? Well, thank you. So the Stearns family, you know, we were a family of educators, and we were a family that helped produce the community. My great-great-grandfather, every time I think about all the things that he accomplished, I feel like I'm an underachiever because he did, did it at a time where, as far as history tells us, 
that the odds were against him. But yet he still amassed so much land. He still had oil wells and, you know, it just all the things that I know, they're not recorded. So can you imagine if he recorded what he actually did and passed it on? And I think a big part yeah. of legacy is uh, the grooming and the teaching and the reinforcing what you're doing to your children. A lot of times our legacy is not passed on from one generation to the next generation because we never talk about what we're doing. We think we think that them seeing us is enough to transfer that wealth, but you haven't mm-hmm. transferred knowledge, understanding, practices, discipline. You haven't transferred anything. So uh, my family was in agricultural. Uh, my my grand my great grandfather amassed a lot of land. My grandfather, from what I understand, he never stayed on a job, and he never stayed on a job because he was a true entrepreneur. So every time that he had to go back to a job, it was before he launched something new. And as I grew up, and then my father, they had uh, beauty supply stores throughout Texas. So before they closed, they had seven. And the only reason why they closed is because um, other nationality, nationalities decided that there was money in hair care. So that's when you start seeing all the Asian stores open. Yes. And because yes. the other stores didn't come together with a strong marketing plan and, and, and a, a way that they can maintain their market share, then they lost out. So they did right. that for years. But when I think about my grandfather and how he didn't stay on a job, when I graduated from college, I knew that I was not going to work on anybody's job. So wherever I went, I took two things. I never had, you know, how people go and they set up shops. I knew I was only there to learn what I needed to learn to apply to what I needed to launch or do. So that's my. That's right. Excellent. That, that's for, Dr. Daniel, I'm going to bring you in shortly. But, uh, uh, Ms. Reggie, that is outstanding what you just said. That Those are powerful uh, statements that you ladies have made. I want to find out, uh, secondly, I want to find out where Ms. Colette grew up, because it's amazing how we, we both know that Ms. Reggie and I grew up in East Texas, and we have similar backgrounds that our, our parents and grandparents did not ever work for anyone, and that we knew uh, that, yeah, I went to work uh, a short period of time and then uh, in the military, but always had businesses, always had some business of some form, sometimes more than one uh, on the side while working uh, and, and didn't like the fact of punching a clock. So I always had a position where I did not have to punch a clock. Uh, so uh, so let's, let's hear a little bit about where Miss Collette uh, grew up, what city uh, that you're, you're from, Miss Collette. So my family is from, well, they're from Mississippi, but where I grew up was a little town called Battle Creek, Michigan. That's the cereal okay. city where cornflakes and Kellogg's and all yeah, of that we're familiar. is. Yeah. And, yeah, and and as a result of growing up there, my, my mother's father owned a record store. And so my family hung out at Motown and wrote songs and all kinds of, of stuff. And so... I grew up in that rich, really rich um, mm-hmm. community of people, but, you know, we did still, and it turned out the way it turned out. But I grew up in a really close-knit community. Um, of, of There were lots of entrepreneurs. That, that was just normal. That's just what we saw every day. 
That's outstanding. Uh, Dr. Danny, you want to share a little bit about your background and your entrepreneurship and, and what you're doing right now since we're talking about small businesses and small business owners? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, I have just relocated back to Texas about 18 months ago after 33 years in the Philadelphia area. I attended Southwestern Christian College, which is historically black, and kind of our family tradition that we attend HBCUs and that we are entrepreneurs. I am a medical researcher by training, worked as a med tech and paramedic at Temple Hospital, and helped to put myself through, of course, doing hair because I saw that growing up in the family and buying uh, abandoned property. But my area of research is maternal fetal health, and I do a lot of cell biology studies where we are using the same technology that you use to find out viruses that are in laboratory samples. We use that same biological technique to join egg and sperm in the lab to help people to become pregnant who are not able to conceive. But my company is the Campus of Care, and it's a group of medical scientists and clinicians focusing on global public health. And right now our initiative is to make industrial-grade masks that mimic the N95 masks that we have in hospitals. And since we're talking about entrepreneurship, I work three days a week usually for an agency strictly for the purpose of bringing money into the campus of care, additional money in addition to my credit to continue to buy more medical equipment and update uh, our lab. We are in DeSoto on Hampton Road, and we are running a 24-hour hotline to help people to deal with grief, to deal with this new onslaught of grief, loss of normalcy, loss of life, loss of employment. And I'm just glad to be on and fellowshipping with other entrepreneurs. Oh, great. That's outstanding. So, uh, yes, and, and she, has the, she has the same family background. Actually, uh, it didn't stop at our parents passing away and our grandparents passing away. They passed that thing on to us, and then so we wanted to pass it on down to the next offspring, the next uh, set of children, the next generation, so that it will maintain and continue in the uh, African-American community. Tell me, ladies, how... Uh, you're going to use uh, the Red Development Group uh, to educate uh, into uh, becoming uh, small business owners or entrepreneurs, should I say. And we don't necessarily uh, have to say that it's going to remain small, whatever that means. That, that word is, is different meanings to different people. So, uh, so share with us how we're going to be able to move that, uh, uh, what you're doing right now, into the next generation of entrepreneurs, either one of you. Colette, I'll let you answer that, and I'll talk about the initiative that we have during COVID. Okay. So um, we are on purpose about helping women entrepreneurs and the men who support them because we understand that sometimes you can't open the door for yourself, and you need people who don't look like you at all um, to open the door. And so we are – uh, focused on women entrepreneurs, and part of the reason is when I while I was working on my dissertation, um, I was my research topic was women in finance, and I read three four times that women are forty eight percent behind men in wealth generation, 
And yeah. although we we have you know more degrees and we're we're moving the needle as far as becoming CEOs and and, and things like that and running companies, we're still 48 percent behind men in wealth generation. And the first couple times I read it, I was the first couple times I was like, that's not true. Even though I'm reading peer reviewed you know articles, and then. The next time I read it, and I'm, I was like, wait a minute, okay, I should probably pay attention. And then the last time I read it, you know, I was not happy because I was like, okay, this is this is real. And so how do we impact that? The other piece was I would encounter I've, – I've been blessed that I have one son. And my son um, lived with his father at the age of 13 because he needed to learn how to be a man. Mom had done all she could um, in, in that respect. And so I was – you know, I had I was an empty nester early, and so I could strike out and go start my business and not have mommy guilt because I could go and, ha- and and visit my son whenever I wanted and bring him here whenever I wanted and all of that. But I kept encountering these women who who were muting their greatness because they didn't want to appear as if. They didn't want their their significant others to feel bad because of their greatness or they felt guilty because they couldn't be there or they couldn't do this or they they weren't doing as much as they thought they should be doing as a parent. And it saddened me because your greatness is being muted. And it's my belief that you owe that to us. You owe it to the world. Um, Somebody's greatness is going to resolve this. COVID-19 problem, you know, and without them stepping up in, into that space, it doesn't get solved. And so I was encountering these women, and I knew that there was a way to get this done and not have to live with that guilt and, and have a, a healthy marriage and, and be happy and still be great at the same time. But what they didn't know, they didn't know. They were every day um, throwing spaghetti at the wall. They would get up every day and they would do stuff, but the stuff didn't never quite came together. Were they generating money and revenue? Yeah, they were, but they were so unhappy in what they were doing that they were making their teams unhappy, and their fulfillment was coming from their work. And but the way they were expressing their work was in a in a harsh way that was driving their teams away. And so they weren't able to keep those people around them that could really help to bring their greatness out of them. And so as I kept encountering these women, I knew what to do. I'd watched my family since I was a young child um, build these businesses. I, I watched it. I, I understood it. It was just the way my brain worked. And I was, in, I was fortunate enough to work for the federal government from the time I was 14 until I was 21, and I actually started coaching at 16 years old because part of my responsibility was to deploy reservists and train them and all of that at the early age of 16. And so I knew I had the answer. But out of fear because I was told, um, just as you said, Councilwoman, to go to school, get a degree, get a good job, and that was the way to do it, I was afraid to step into it because I, that's not the path I was told that would get me there. And I knew that that would be outside of what everybody expected for me to do. So it took me 15 years to get back to it. But once wow. I got back to it, I knew that this was what needed to be done. Exactly. I want you to dialogue more on on, on that 
as far as you're doing what you did at age 16. I want to hear more about that being a retired military uh, uh, officer. But but why do you think that women don't embrace their greatness, their brilliance, why they don't step into their brilliance? Why on earth would they not embrace what God has given to them, and that's their skills, their talents, their ability to be able because the one thing that I can tell you is whatever money she makes, she brings it to the household, right? It's all all green once it gets into the bank together. Uh, but why mm-hmm. do you think that uh, women don't embrace uh, and step into their uh, uh, their skills and their talents and their ability? And then we'll go to Miss Reggie after this. So I think there's two reasons. And and I am a Christian woman. I am a follower of Christ, and I know that he is the center of everything I do. But I think our religion is guilty of teaching us that to desire wealth is wrong, and that's not what, our, what the word says at all. And so we're taught to not have that desire, but the word says to leave an inheritance for your children's children's children. We miss that. We don't. We, we never it. read that. We never read Father, that money yeah. all That's things. it. That's it. That's you it. know, we don't. We don't. We don't hear that. We don't hear write the vision and make it plain. So he that finds it yeah. may run with it. We yeah. don't hear that. You know, we nobody's preaching those things. Not nobody. There are people preaching those things. But for the yeah. most part, yeah. As we grew up, right. we didn't. We didn't hear those things. So those things weren't cultivated and nurtured in us. We didn't understand who the Proverbs 30 woman, 31 woman was. Mm-hmm. It said mm-hmm. she went into the marketplace and she made her husband's name great, sold right. her goods, and she brought it back to her family. That's right. That is what That's it right. said. Now, they always hold us responsible for being her, but they never really tell us who she is. That's probably why I like purple today, Ms. Collette. I love, the, I love purple, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So they don't define for us who these women were. And and I can only tell you from my own experience why I didn't do it. I was always super smart, always super smart. But because oh I was smart right. and I was curious and I asked questions, I was always told that I thought I was better than. That never crossed wow. my mind that I was better wow. than any. I was just curious. I just wanted to know the answer. Sure. I would sure. thought I was better than because I watched 60 Minutes as opposed to watching Color Purple, which I still have never watched the whole, you know. It wasn't that. It was just I liked science and math and learning about I'm people, and my right. interests were just different. And because my interests were different, I didn't fit into the group the way everybody else did. And I've never been one to compromise. And so we live with this guilt that we don't fit into the group until we get to a place where we learn that it's you have to love you first before you can love anyone else. And we, again, our religion teaches us to, to love the religion, not the word. I want to make that distinctly dis, that difference. But that we should give, give, give to everybody else, and it doesn't t- teach us to have self-care. We have to have self-care because if I have no love, I can't give anything that I don't have. Oh, right. And so we've got oh, all of these dynamics that are playing. We don't know what it looks like to be a dynamic woman like myself and you and Reggie and your daughter, and, you know, because we were told to, to mute ourselves so that we didn't offend anyone. Oh, and then culturally okay. as African-Americans, we had to mute ourselves so that we didn't stand out so that we could be protected. So we've got all of these factors 
that play, and we still deal with all of that today. And then the other piece of it is we don't want to be offensive to the man who loves us. Hmm. And so because of that, we don't know how to function in the space. And so we want, we're like we're dying on the inside because we want to get it out. But we're afraid to lose everything if we do. Wow. Thank you so much for that. You know, I I guess I could probably pause and say thanks to my father and my grandfather because they told us girls as much as they told the boys that we were smart. They told us we were going to be politicians, that we were going to be great spokespeople. So so I I embrace and I I understand exactly where you are coming from with that, and I totally 100% agree with you that that has happened. Uh, for women. Go ahead, Ms. Reggie. I know you're ready to share like, Well, yeah, and I would like to share this, too. I think sometimes we have to be careful with our dreams because some things are for our eyes only until it gets to a certain point. And, and, and when I say that, because depending on the people that are surrounding you, if you share anything about your dream, your hopes, your aspirations, if they're not going some of the same places or at a different level, then if you share that with them, all your dreams could be shattered in that one conversation. That's right. So it leaves them so underdeveloped, you know, so we have to be very careful on who we communicate our dreams to. I agree. Put it, put it on paper and get it all squared away and taken care of, make it legal before you put it out there. In other words, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And, and yeah. I can, I can, let me, let me share this quickly. And then, then I'm going to uh, back up and, and let you ladies uh, continue to speak. And then we're going to bring in uh, our next guest after this. But my grandfather, Mr. Mitchell Irwin devised a gadget to go on the back of our, our tractor and he was invited to the White House to get accommodations for that in the 40s, but he didn't know about uh, having having this all put on paper legally. He did, nobody ever told him about that in that day. So, so when he went to Washington D.C. and got his accommodation for uh, from the president, President Roosevelt. Of, about what he had devised to put on the back of that tractor, and the purpose of that little gadget was to plant potato slips rather than having the people who worked on our land to put them in the ground by hand that they could they could use this tractor and so years later, John Deere tractor got that idea and made it, but it it started right from my grandfather. And like many other African-Americans who developed things but did not get the credit for it. So you're right, Miss mm-hmm. Reggie. Some things you may have to keep to yourself until you can get it on a piece of paper and get it authenticated to show that it belongs to you, the idea belongs to you. Any final, uh, well, ladies, we'll, we'll let you have your final comments on Red Development Group, and then we'll bring in our next guest. We hope that you stick around because after we finish with our next group, then we'll all have a dialogue conversation about what's going on in our world and our nation in particular and how we're going to be able to get past where we are right now with this COVID-19. Uh, go ahead. We'll start with you first, Ms. Collette, if you want to finish up, and then we'll let uh, Ms. Reggie finalize things with Red Development Group, and then we'll go to our next guest. Thank you so much, ladies. You have been so inspiring uh, for this show tonight. Thank you. Go ahead, Ms. Collette. Oh, is it Dr. Well, Collette? thank you. 
Yes. No, 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 not yet. I haven't finished my research yet. I'm almost there, but I'm not quite. Okay. Um, but thank you for having us. This has really been great. And, and the only thing I would leave everybody with is we, everybody has some greatness. Um, yes. We all do. There is no person, I don't care what crime they've committed. I don't care the way about how everybody they think or how they feel about people. Everybody has some greatness. And we owe it to the world to give it to the world. And so if, if you find yourself in a place where you are muting that and you're muting yourself, find a way to express it and get it out. And if you can't in your current situation, then that means that something is going to have to change because the richest place on earth is a graveyard, and we shouldn't oh, wow. continue to make it the richest place on earth. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, uh, uh, Miss Reggie, and then we'll, uh, Dr. Natasha, if you want to have any comments in regards to entrepreneurship and everything. And then we're going to bring our fraternity brother on, Mr. Arthur. He may have some questions of you ladies uh, before we move on to our next guest. Uh, but, uh, Miss okay. Reggie, go right here. Well, I did want to share this. You know, in wake of everything that's going on with the COVID-19, uh, uh, Colette and I sat and we tried to come up with a strategy that would help during this crisis. And so last week we had something called Red Talk Business Community Forum, and we brought a lot of leaders and business entrepreneurs together. But ultimately what that produced was a database, and it's called the Business Community Forum Resource, Resource Database. And for uh, entrepreneurs, so let me give you an example of what that looks like. If you grew up in the country or wherever you grew up, if someone's husband died, your mother would make sure that she had everything she needed. If her lawn needed to be mowed, if she needed some sugar for a cake, whatever it is she needed, the community made sure she had it and she did not go without. As business owners, Colette and I, since we have a business development firm, we wanted to make sure that business owners had what they needed. Everybody is experiencing different challenges at different levels. So regardless of your industry, we wanted to create a resource, a database where entrepreneurs could come and they can get information in regards to something that they needed. So right now, maybe their workforce is low, their manpower is low, maybe they just don't have the expertise in that area. We have people that are coming in that may possibly give a 15-minute um, session on labor laws or uh, how to maintain your uh, staff or how to possibly complete documentation for the grants. We have different people that are signing up for different things at this time. It should be launched in live by tomorrow, but it is a database. And so one of the game rules for people to contribute is that it only takes 15 or more than 30 minutes of their time, but whatever the subject matter is, it'll be listed. There'll be a time of which they're going to have their webinar or informational session, and those entrepreneurs can come and watch at that time. It's for educational, informational purposes only. We're not professing to, to, you know, to take care of their IRS, but it's informational. So if you are an entrepreneur in the community and you need something, hopefully what you need will be a part of in that database. Okay, very good. Excellent. Can you give us your website of how we can find uh, Red Development Group? And I, I was so honored to be a part of the uh, forum on this past Friday. So thank you, ladies, for inviting me. I appreciate that. Go ahead. Give us your website. You're welcome. And You're welcome. So our website is reddevelopmentgroup.com, Red Development Group. 
www.thecommunitygroup.com. And when we did the community forum, we did it with an online e-magazine, and that is the Metro Report. So you can find the database on the metroreport.biz, metroreport.biz, and the Business Community Forum Research Database is sponsored by Red Development Group. So it will be housed there, and there will probably be a link on our site that would take you back over there as well. So we partnered together to make sure that that happened for the entrepreneurs. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. McKellar, other Dr. McKellar, you have any final comments in regards to small businesses? And then we're going to move on over to the next phase of the show, and hopefully you ladies will be able to stick around. Absolutely. I want to say a couple of things. If I can just piggyback on everything that's been said about your dreams, uh, and it's great to get everything on paper and finalized and patented, but even after that, we go through various developmental stages within our businesses. Some people are dream killers, and they don't even know that they're dream killers. So we really have to pray and ask the Lord, who is worthy to share? Because some people are just having difficulty putting one foot in front of the other, and they may not mean any harm. They'll tell you, oh, you shouldn't throw your money away. You're taking a chance. That's a risk. So some people are are dream killers, and they won't have any respect for what you do until they see you on the cover of time. (laughs) The other thing I want to say is that many People were made wealthy during the Depression. Pandemics and disasters always create an opportunity for innovation. So I want to encourage everyone to look and see what the world needs because Mother Teresa said your wealth is finding a need and filling it. Thank you. Exactly. And that, and that statement has been passed on down from generation to generation because I heard that from my father and my grandfather. Okay. Find out what you like to do or they would say uh, don't, don't always focus on being an employee, be an employer. That means the same thing, right? The same identical thing. Uh, yes. Mr. Arthur, I know you're out there. And so uh, do you have any questions of, of these ladies before we bring Ms. Jean Russo and her guests in tonight? Yes, like I said, I think it's a great subject of entrepreneurship in the context of the uh, uh, you know, coronavirus. But what I like to ask them is, uh, in the context of all this, uh, what we're doing politically right now, I mean, in NOACP and other organizations, we're getting with our legislators and congressmen now, this economy is fixed to be reorganized. It's going to be, it's going to be reorganized. It's not going to be like it was before. This is an opportunity right. for entrepreneurs like yourselves like you're doing, you organize your base. That's good. Now organize politically, and 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 let the powers that be know what you want, because it's, it's again the economy's going to be remade, the paradigm is shifting as we speak. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I want to know what do you all plan to, uh, how you all plan to position yourselves uh, going forward. Great, excellent. Reggie, you excellent. want me to take that one? Each one of you. Go ahead, Ms. Reggie. We'll start with you first, and then uh, then Ms. Collette, and then we'll go to Dr. Dr. McKellar. So position ourselves as a company? Yes. Okay, well, the thing about right now is that every entrepreneur is in need of our service because they're trying to figure out how they position themselves, what strategy they'll implement, do they have the manpower they need to make these transitions? Do they have the technology that they need to, to uh, manage these transitions? So for a business development firm, 
we are something that they re- they need right now. We were talking earlier about a firm out of New York. I can't remember how many people they had on their staff, but they started letting people go. Well, they were a business development firm. How do you let people go when businesses all over the world need you to reposition yeah. themselves, to retool themselves? To it is an emergence of a new economy. And so you have if if you don't know what to do as a business owner, then you have to go out and get the necessary skill, mindset, coaching, navigation, whatever it is. So we are in place to make these transitions. Colette, you well, let me be a little bit more that? specific. Can, can, okay. can, can I be a little bit more specific? Uh, what uh, what what uh, business uh, areas do you think would be best for going forward? In other words, we're African Americans. We're creating this economy. What would be some of the areas that we should focus on? Going forward, as far as reorganizing this economy, Ms. Collette, why don't areas you take that? Be important. Yeah, Ms. Collette, yeah, oh, why don't you take, take that question? Yes. So here's one of the things that sets Red Development Group apart. So when we all worked for the corporations that we worked for annually for a week or two, they would take all of their top level executives and fly them to some island to plan. They always had a plan. They always had a vision. They always did, but as small business owners, more often than not, we're not we're not functioning with a plan. And so, one of the things that Red Development Group does is we have a three-day boot camp, where the participants in that boot camp walk away with a three to four hundred page document that is a plan for what they're going to do for the next fifty-two weeks in their business. And so, as a result, Red Development Group clients are not freaking out. They're not panicking. None of them have even applied for the uh, relief funds or anything because they have a plan. All they had to do was look at the plan and go, okay, we need to make an adjustment here. We're going to keep moving forward, but here's where we make the adjustment, and they move forward. And so the key is, and, and what we're doing is we're helping as many people as we can develop their plan, write the vision and make it plan so he that finds it may run with it. Well, maybe you're the one that found it, and it's your own plan. And so a lot of the conversations I've been having where the people are panicking are people that others are sending to us saying they need your help because they don't have a plan. I spoke to a pastor who's been pastoring for 32 years, this church that is 92 years old. And the questions he was asking me, he should not have been asking me after 32 years. But the, 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 <laughs> the problem is we've been operating without a plan. And so that's yeah. what we do. We do two very specific things when our clients come into contact with us. The one of the first things we do is find out what is the monetary value of their business. The second thing that we do is figure out where they are in the life cycle stages of business, which most entrepreneurs don't even know there's five life cycle stages of business. Where are you? Because how do you get to the top level of business if you don't even know, you haven't defined what those are and you don't know how to get there? And so for Red Development Group, we're not, we're not really having to pivot because we have a plan. Our adjustments are being made in, okay, are we going to offer some things at a discounted rate or, or, you know, as a compliment to people, that kind of thing. Are we going to move this thing from in live to online? Those are the pivots that we're making, but we're not, pan- we don't, we're not panicking because we have a plan, and that's the difference. That's what has to happen. Our country typically has a plan. We Very don't good. often have a plan as small business owners. Very good. 
uh, Dr. McKellar, and then you can reflect just a little bit on diversity and how small businesses can move to big businesses. And then we're going to move over, and we don't want to keep our other guests waiting too much longer, uh, Ms. Jean Rousseau, but come. But if you can have your final comments in a couple of minutes and, uh, and, and talk, just talk a little bit about diversity, because I don't think we really talked a little bit about that, and I always like to, to hear about that, and how our small businesses can become big businesses. Go ahead, quickly. Absolutely. And you are absolutely correct about the various textbooks defining small businesses in different ways. Some people consider a small business to be a business that makes anywhere under $900,000 per year, and then others consider it to be a combination of 50 and under employees or 500 and under employees so people can figure out where they fit in. Small doesn't necessarily mean smaller than we would think about a mom-and-pop dry cleaner with three or five employees. It really separates our businesses from Fortune 500 companies. And the majority of America is run by the small business corporations, the physician offices with 10 employees. That's still a small business. Uh, Diversity is key and also disaster planning. I know uh, I helped my spouse about 10 years ago to do a postdoctoral master's in disaster medicine and emergency management and enjoyed it so much helping him to read his thesis that I went back and got that same training. And in that, you learn how to disaster-proof your hospital, disaster-proof your small clinic like our research center. And that's you're totally correct about people not having a plan and not even knowing that it's necessary. When we were an undergrad at Temple University, the city of Philadelphia and the university had a 50-year plan to take the black community. So while some of us may have a three- or a five-year plan, yes, first we need to get a plan, and then we need to extend it because the people who really rule the world have plans that span generations. And finally, with diversity, Many times people think that it has reference to only racial diversity. When we really think of diversity in its truest sense, it's religious diversity, diversity of thought process. You have people from every ethnic group, age group. There's ageism in the workplace and sexism. Uh, the LGBTQ community has made sure that they are represented the American Disabilities Act has made sure that people with various disabilities are represented. And in in the hospital and in the medical schools, they have departments that can help. Even someone with diabetes is considered disabled, even though they're able to go out and work and function very well. They are given top priority when they go to apply for a job within the university system. So I hope that helps to bring some academic focus. Yes. Yes, that was that was amazing. You ladies were outstanding. Hopefully you'll stick around so they can come back and we can dialogue a little bit more on what's going on in our community as far as the COVID-19 is concerned. But we're going to go ahead right now and jump over over to Ms. Jean Russo out there in Wisconsin and bring her in and let her introduce her guest. And, of course, we know that tomorrow, I believe, they go to the polls. It makes no sense to me, but she may want to dialogue a little bit, a couple of minutes on that as well. Ms. Jean Russo, are you there? Yes, good evening. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for having me. I appreciate this. And before beginning, what a fantastic show thus far. Such an inspiration that um, Ms. Colette and Ms. Reggie had provided and and your daughter. It really is inspiring. So thank you for, for what you say. 
um, because it does and, boost the ability. In? Yeah, Miss Jean, can I jump in to let the ladies know that you, you as well as the entrepreneur, and so you tell us a little bit about your uh, program, and then you can introduce guests. Take about a minute to tell us about. Uh, your program, and I'm so honored to be a part of your program as well as I was oh, honored to be a absolutely. part of the Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of Success Incorporated is a speakers bureau. It is different from other speakers bureau, if you will, because our mantra, my mantra is making a difference. It's about people. It's about making a difference, and it's about being the difference. I have approximately 24 top global world speakers and our passion, the passion that they have and their life experiences share stories. But the stories, each story has a message, as you'll learn tonight from one of our guests. Um, and, and our clients, our vendors, our associates, they are the world to us. And it is our vision, our goal to make a difference by changing and impacting lives with the messages behind the stories. And so globally, we feel that we're making a difference. And um, tonight is no different. But I am um, an entrepreneur for my businesses. And I started out 25 years with Abbott Laboratories and, and AbbVie Corporation and took early retirement and decided um, I enjoy people and I enjoy making a difference. So that is why I, I felt that this is a second career and I'm enjoying it. Um, and, and at such a critical time, too, um, I... I don't feel that this is by any mistake because I feel that we can even do more to touch people's lives right now because this is when people need that positive. They need that encouragement and inspiration and motivation. And Dr. McKellar, you're a part of this um, with all that you do. So we're definitely going to need to do an interview with you soon. Okay, thank you. All right, let's hear from you. Let's introduce your guest and then bring your guest in, and let's hear from him. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, the guests that I have, um, uh, oh, did you want me to speak on the the virus first or – or, no, we'll, okay. We'll talk, we'll talk all, about, all about that at the uh, next part. Uh, we, we're going to talk to him right now, and, and then in the next 20 minutes, then we'll, we'll end the show with talking about what's going on in our nation. Wonderful, wonderful. So we spoke about the plan in that um, you were just ending your last guest sharing that they needed a plan. And the guest that I have is Mr. Bob Thurman. He is a keynote speaker. He is definitely uh, an entrepreneur and an eight-time world karate champion. He is an expert self-defense trainer. And he has been featured on ABC Wide World of Sports, NBC Sports World, and ESPN. Uh, Bob has a unique counter-attactic certified program that he created himself. He taught thousands worldwide this program, providing life-enhancing and saving lives because of 
a life experience that he had. He was, um, I'll, I'll share with you just a bit, that he definitely uh, does mental awareness, empowerment, safety training, workplace violence, hospital, medical facility safety programs, campus safety and defense programs, realtor safety and self-defense programs, and it is just an absolute pleasure to have him. His story is very, very touching, um, and it made a difference in his life, and because of that, he's making a difference in others. So, Bob, are you with us? Uh, Yes, Judy, I am. Okay, I'll let you take it from there. I hope um, I covered everything, and I'll let you go ahead and share your awareness program. And welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir, and and welcome welcome to Marvelous Monday. It's great to have you on the show. I've heard a lot about you, and so now we'll let let you tell the audience uh, a lot about you. Go right ahead. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I want to thank you all ladies for having me on. I really appreciate it a bunch. And it scares me when people say, I've heard a lot about you. I'm saying, oh, boy, I wonder what they know that I don't know. <laughs> but, but anyway, I started, I was the Professional Karate Association kickboxing champion for eight years during the 80s. I had fights all over the world on TV, ESPN, NBC, ABC, Sports Illustrated. Been on Walker, Texas Ranger a couple times. Had an awesome fight career. Couldn't have been any better. On April 2nd, 1989, I was working out in one of my training facilities here in Kansas City. We heard this pop, pop come from the parking garage right behind my training facility. And my first thought was, wow, that sounded like a gunshot wound. A gunshot. And my brain says, wow, man, this is Prairie Village, Kansas. People don't get shot over here. Suddenly, all these people ran in screaming, frankly, some woman had been shot in a robbery. But to make a long story short, I ran outside, found my pregnant wife on the sidewalk bleeding from a gunshot wound to the head. She was robbed and then the perpetrator took her money he shot her and tried to kill her. How the grace of God I've got a beautiful 31 year old daughter who's a member of the Kansas City Fire Department and a beautiful wife who's alive and healthy and about the best wife a man can have but this is what led to the creation of counterattack training. I knew, if you all remember, back in the 80s, they called that the cocaine 80s, street crime was rampant. You know, street attacks, gang attacks, rapes everywhere. Crime right now is still what it is, what it was, or it's actually worse than it was back in the 1980s. But now we have terrorism, we have school shootings, we have mass shootings, we have people shooting up everywhere. Now, design counter-tactics to give people a chance not to fight back but to know what to do and how to do it when the attack happens. Now, most people don't realize when you get to a stressful situation like that, most of the time your brain will just freeze up and you go in ice. That's why most people die in mass shootings is because they freeze up and don't do anything. If you do something simply like a run screen, that's a great option. And I teach people how to open up that part of their mind so that if they get into a situation, they will be able to think effectively, and hopefully escape with their lives. In the training, we also show what if some guy grabs you on the throat and starts choking you, grabs you in a bear hug, and drags you and tries to throw you in a car. We show you how to fight back with real effective, simple techniques 
that anybody can do. If you can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time, you can do these techniques. doesn't take a lot of practice to perfect them, but they're highly effective. Case studies show if you fight back against a criminal, most of the time, there's not statistics on it, if you start putting up resistance, most criminals will leave the crime scene immediately because they don't want to take a chance on you putting marks on them that could be identified by the police. My training classes, I do keynote addresses and a complete half-day training with two hours of the three hours of the half-day training is actually hands-on. For people who want to learn, uh, know a little bit about self-protection so in case something crazy ever did happen to them, they would know how to do how to handle it. Bob, this is Jeannie again. Is it possible to at least, I'm sorry, Dr. McKellar, just for him to share during this time um, with the pandemic that we have, uh, the, I don't want to put fear in people. I think it's more of just an awareness. Um, your thoughts on where we are right now? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. There's always a lot of crime with anything like what's happening in this country right now. You know, the news is so busy reporting all the stuff about the pandemic, they don't worry about crime, crime and robberies right now. I mean, has anybody heard any news about any crimes that's happened the last week or so on the radio, on the TV? Probably not. You just think, you just think criminals quit committing crimes because it's a pandemic? They don't. Crime's actually at an all-time high right now because criminals have a big advantage on people. Everyone's walking around thinking about the pandemic instead of what's happening in their immediate surroundings right here and right now. Right now is a fine time to get attacked. I hate to say that. But everyone just needs to be a little bit more aware of their surroundings because awareness is the best self-defense you can ever have. Exactly. So so I'm glad you brought that out because we are seeing uh, crimes that are taking place. And you would think at this point in time, with the fact that we're all in such a serious place right now that people would not be doing that, but they are. So let's, since you have quite a number of women that are listening to you right now, can you dialogue a little bit on how women can help to protect themselves, defend themselves from attackers? Cause I just heard you say that it's, it's easy to defend yourself. So can you dialogue a little bit more on that? I, I can't do that too, but you've got to talk about first, how do I identify the criminal first? I mean, the first thing you have to figure out when you ever get attacked, I know this is a lot of information to throw out, but it's all very true and very relevant. I mean, the first thing you have to figure out is, what's this criminal really want? And criminals are going to want one of three things. I mean, criminals always attack, they're trying to fulfill a basic human need, right? We all have three human needs. We all have three human needs. We have to have if we're going to survive. The first thing is, Official need. Criminals need money. They got to buy drugs. They got to pay rent. They got they got to spend money just like we do, right? So this the first criminal he wants your money. Someone comes up, sticks a forty-five in your face, goes, "Hey, lady, give me your purse. I'm gonna blow your brains out." You reach, you go, you hand this guy your purse. You want to reach out and hand to him because when anyone ever approaches you, the first thing you want to do is take a little bit of a step back because when you step back from someone who's who's PO'd, who's potentially high on drugs, who's mad or whatever, they actually de-escalate on a subconscious level. Don't even realize it's happening. When you step back and he goes, give me your purse, you take your purse, you take your purse, you reach out and hand it to him, 
or you set it down and step away from it. You want to keep as far away from that guy as possible. You want to run away from him and make him overreact and actually shoot you. So don't want your money. It's just not worth fighting for. Give it up immediately. I've heard people say, you know, throw it one way, run the other way. No. If you want your money, hand it over. I know it's a pain in the butt to get new credit cards and driver's licenses and things like that. It's not worth taking a chance on getting killed for. Once this criminal has your money, someone attacks you for a physical need, he'll take your money and leave. The second type of person attacks for a psychological need. And this is kind of the type of guy that does attacking during a pandemic. This guy uses control and fear and threats to scare you into giving him what you want. Obviously, he's attacking for a psychological need. He wants control. Obviously, a sexual predator. This kind of guy is going to always change or broaden the man's an attack. No matter what he asks for, you give him, it's not going to satisfy him. This kind of guy is going to always grab a hold of you because he wants fear, intimidation, control. You know, my thought process is when someone grabs you, it's, it's showtime. You know what I mean? Because this guy wants mm-hmm. more than your money. I mean, this guy wants more than your money when he grabs you. He's changing the man's of the attack. This is the kind of right. guy my wife ran into when she got assaulted. This guy came up to Betsy's, Betsy's five foot two, weighs 120, 15 pounds, soaking wet. This guy came up and goes, hey, you, B-I-T-C-H, give me your purse. He dropped mm-hmm. it. Give me a ring. He handed him over. He ripped the necklace off the throat. But what changed the dynamics of the attack was this punk grabbed her, reached out and grabbed her with his left, he was right hand. He was a left-handed thug. Grabbed her with his, her right hand and stick a pistol right in her face and shot her point-blank range. What's going to wow. satisfy something like that? Nothing. The third type of attack, attacks for a social need. This guy, these attacks are generally gang-related. There's going to be more than one of them. These type of attacks are also pandemic attacks, like I mentioned earlier. They're trying to, they want something. A lot of people get together and go attack somebody. Another thing that happens a lot during pandemics is there's a lot of spousal abuse on both sides. You know, the husband abuses the wife or vice versa. Uh, right. That type, type of thing people need to be looking out for is just being aware. You want to keep that, the space, they say five feet is what the, uh, I think with the space mm-hmm. you keep away, keep that space. When people can, when people are five feet away from you, they have to make a move. You know, they got to close that distance, and that distance buys you a little bit of time to react, to scream, to run. And I can't tell, teach someone how to fight back, talk on radio, but I can tell you this: if someone's five feet away from you, and he starts to come up to you in a hostile situation, scream and run. You know what? If you're wrong, so what? You embarrass yourself and him, so what? Who cares? Just think about right. being safe 24/7 right now. Well, I want you to I want you to talk a little bit about uh, this is good. I, I want you to talk a little bit about prevention for us not to even get ourselves into uh, these kinds of, of positions. Uh, can you dialogue talk, a little talk. bit on that? That's the, uh, prevention is the best self-defense, right? I've always heard that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Awareness and prevention is the best self-defense money can buy. And you all down in Texas know about you in Texas know about that money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Being aware of the surroundings. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. 
in my training, the first thing I talk about is being aware. And you know, I tell a story about my wife, what happened, let people know I've got a personal game in it. It's personal. I've got a dog and dog in the fight. But the def- definition for awareness is, is being aware of what's happening in your immediate vicinity and, and to understand how the information your brain gathers and your actions will impact your personal safety. Simply said, and what's happening right here now. For example, how many people when leaving the grocery store, shopping mall, theater, and you're walking in your car, what are you thinking about? What you got to cook when you get home? What you got to put to do, do, do the line, do this, do that, run the kids someplace? You'd be focused on right here and now. How many people have walked out of the shopping mall and you're walking and you're thinking so intently about all this stuff that's going on in your life, you're totally oblivious to what's happening right here and now? Everybody does that every single day. How many people walked out of a shopping mall yakking on their cell phones? Yeah. Think they're paying attention to what's happening right here and now? Absolutely not. Awareness is the best self-defense. I have what I call seven rules of awareness. Rule one is real simple. Be aware of where you are. Be prepared to react. I mean, crime's everywhere. I don't care where you are, what part of town you're in, or whatever. Crime happens everywhere, anytime, anyplace. You know, two, there's always strength in numbers. You know, criminals look for people who are by themselves. When you give a criminal, when you're by yourself, you give a criminal three things he needs, something quick, easy, and low risk. Darkness, the attacker's friend. After dark, be more, be more aware. I mean, make it a, just make it a habit. Check your vehicle before getting inside. Ladies, how many of you honestly check your car every time you get into it? Anybody? Yeah. Every, yeah. Every time? <laughs> Every time. Every time? Yeah. Every time? Yeah. That's good. Look, most people don't. Most people check. Well, it's been set in some place for several hours. It's been at the airport for two days. You better check it. No, check it every single time. Right. You know, if someone wants to carjack you or try and kidnap you, probably the best place you're going to do it is some type of convenience store. How many people have ran into a convenience store and left your kids in the, in the car or, you know, left nope. your car open to the parking lot mm-hmm. and grab a soda pop or something? No way. A lot of people do that every day. A lot of people do. Yeah. Every day. You know, check cars parked around you to make sure no one's lying in wait. A lot of people will hide behind the car, underneath the car, things like that. Right. Rule five, five, you know, attackers, you know, he's expecting you to be alone, afraid, confused. You know, he has a game plan. What you want to do is you want to disrupt his plan and make him think about what he's doing. That gives you an advantage. Say, hey, man, what do you want, dude? What do you want? Here's my money. It's all I got. Can I write you a check? Respond differently than he anticipated. Rule six says, mind and body are two weapons nobody can take from you. Your mind is the ultimate weapon. It's the ability to think, to plan, to strategize. You know what one of the best self-defense moves is? To sit the screen and run. When you scream and run, most times criminals will not chase you down. It makes noise mm-hmm. and draws attention to what's going on around you. And rule seven is really important to me. I tell everybody this. And ladies have the best intuition known to mankind. That's right. Listen to your gut, listen to your gut feeling. How many times have you been someplace and you just get a bad feeling that comes out of nowhere? Yeah. Who's had that, ladies? Tell me. I have. I'm sure you all have. And what that is, that's a survival that's a survival instinct is born inside your body. You were born with that 
that, that God gave that to you. With that instinct, you better protect yourself. If you listen to it, you can really, if something doesn't look right or feel right, guess what? It's probably not. You know, so if you check it out and you're wrong, so what? But what if you ignore it and you're right? You wind up a victim of violence. Exactly. Well, we know this much that nothing, absolutely nothing that we own, how much money we have, how much that purse costs us is worth our life and our health, right? Give no, us some no. final, yes. Give us some final comments on. Uh, and I don't know if you 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 have a website where you teach uh, self defense, best defense, uh, and then we congratulate you for all of the accommodations yeah, that you have accomplished uh, in your career. Give us your final comments, uh, sir. Hello. Hello. Yes. Uh-oh. Give us your final comments, sir. Okay, my final comments are, you know, I, I do self-defense training for organizations all over the U.S. You know, anybody, anybody can find me. And uh, speakingofsuccess.com is a website. Thunderthurman at gmail.com is also a website. Um, I just implore everybody, especially during this crazy time that we're all living in right now, just to, you know, increase their awareness of what's happening in their immediate surroundings and be really aware you know, and don't, I mean, it's not what I'm trying to say, don't give anybody the doubt, but just use your head and be smart. Listen to your gut feelings, and you should be safe. More importantly, remember the number one, one, number one rule in self-defense is, is never get in a car with a stranger, ever. I mean, no matter what he has, gun, knife, whatever, never get in a car with a stranger, no matter what he says, and just be aware of your surroundings. Right, great. Thank you so oh, much for that. We, we thank know how you. To find you. Yeah, we know how to find you through. And, Miss Jean, give your uh, website again, please, so we well, know how to find you. Um, absolutely. What, what we're going to do is my website is actually under construction, everyone, um, to make it better and, and improve the learning part of it. Uh, what, what we will do is provide you my email address, which is yes. speakingofsuccessinc at gmail.com. And... Bob, your uh, Mr. Bob, your website once again. Uh, my website is, is thunder thunderthurman at gmail dot com. Is that thunder? Yes, thunderthurman. Thunder thunder at gmail dot com. I want to say oh, I've been down to Dallas a bunch Thurman. of times speaking. Got a lot of great mm-hmm. friends in the karate world down in uh, Dallas, down in Texas. Uh, and then, okay. uh, Mr. Chuck Norris is down there, and I really want to thank you all for having me on. I really appreciate it. If you ever have any questions or need anything, just give me a buzz or give Mrs. Okay. Lisa a buzz, and she'll hook us up. Okay, oh, wonderful. Thank you, so, thank you so much for that. Stick around, uh, and we're going to move over to the next segment of our show. Miss Brianna just texted me and said Bishop Guillory is on. Good evening, Bishop Guillory. How are you doing? And how's everything yeah. in California? His his call actually dropped uh, oh, just a couple oh, seconds ago. So, you know, oh, he's on, on foot downtown. So sometimes that oh, happens. Boy. I'll let you know okay. if he comes back on. Right. Okay, good deal. Things are going on all around this nation, ladies and gentlemen, as we know that uh, this COVID-19 is gearing up. It's getting higher. We, we have 75 cases now here in our area. Dr. Nichols was going to be on. Uh, to talk a little bit about uh, what she's offering to, uh, as you know, her background is education. 
and uh, she was going to talk about how she was going to volunteer her service in helping uh, some of the many students are, who are at home. Sometimes the parents may not know how to work with the young students uh, with their online work. Here we have uh, almost 300,000 uh, people who have logged on into the Tyler Independent School District here. Uh, parents have their children at home that they're having to work with them online uh, with their homework. Uh, computers have been set up in their homes. Tablets, I should say, have been given to almost every student in the Tyler Independent School District is prepared to have their classes online now. We're in a new day. Uh, we're in a new norm. Uh, I, but, but what I really want to talk about to begin with uh, is that we know one of the captains of the naval ship uh, was seeing what was going on, as we all are, seeing what's going on uh, with supplies and, and with things uh, on his ship. Uh, not being able to provide uh, the care that he needed to provide for the people that were on there. And, and we know that Mr. Arthur is, uh, is military as well. I'm military as well. And we may have some more military personnel that are listening out there. And if they want to, uh, to speak, they can. They can uh, send me a text message or Miss Rihanna a text message, and we'll bring them in to talk about this. But I want to get the feelings of, well, I know that if you're not military, you have family members who are military. And so what the feelings are when this captain wanted people to know that I need help out here. And then we know that the, uh, the Navy secretary came on, and this is, I mean, I just have never seen or heard of anything like this, that he came on national television uh, and, and put down uh, the Navy captain, uh, perhaps the, uh, the protocol that the Navy captain took was not the protocol that he should have taken, but however, he was trying to save the lives of the people that he was commanding. I've been a commander in the military, so I know how crucial and how important it is to take care of your personnel. So I'm going to start with you, Mr. Arthur, with your being uh, military. Uh, what are your feelings and what are your thoughts about, uh, about the whole scenario with the Navy, uh, with the Navy captain and the uh, Navy secretary? Go ahead, Mr. Arthur, and then we'll go to the others that are on, on our special guest that's on tonight. Go ahead. Um, if you unmute your phone, Mr. Arthur, and come on in and let's talk. I don't know if, he, if, if he's still on, and Mr. Arthur, are you I'm there? Lo I'm looking now, and I think his his call may have dropped. His call yes, dropped his call. as well. So okay, well. so let's hear from from any of the guests on Miss uh, Miss Jean. We can we can actually start with you because I know, uh, and then you may want to talk a little bit about uh, about your election there. But but being a non military person, but having family members, your brothers who have served, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, that whole scenario with the with the Navy captain? Go ahead. Did we, did we lose everybody tonight? This is I don't know. I'm I'm on. I'm on. Here we go. Okay. So I'm, I'm still my, here too. <laughs> oh, okay. okay my heart. Okay, good. My heart goes out definitely to all the uh, to the captain for the decision that he had to make. It was it was just definitely a very hard decision. Um, I definitely appreciate his his training and and he was trying to do his best 
and I, I personally would have a hard time trying to judge him for what he did because he had lives at stake, and these are unprecedented times. And I know that um, in in the people that he's he's shared his his feelings of of making a decision that he felt at that time was the right decision to make. And it's about people. It's about um, a life-saving, extenuating circumstances. And I don't, personally, I, I would hope that there would be some understanding on, on the decision that was made. I, I feel that he he did the right thing. Having people in the military, I would hope that whoever is commanding at that point would would do the same. Right. Well, and I, okay. And I also think, under the circumstances and considering the time and the yeah. and the events that are going on, yeah. I feel like he possibly there is a protocol. I'm sure. And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, he probably went through that process. But it shows me, or to me, it is um, he's concerned about the leadership and maybe lack of leadership he thinks that he is under. And so when you feel like you have no sense of covering or protection, then you result to other things. And I believe he did what he thought he needed to do in order to protect himself and others. And so, you know, again, um in a different era, it never would have happened. Today, I can see why it did happen, and it will probably continue to happen in different forms. Right. Great, great point. Um, let me just mention this a little bit, that if, if you're not speaking, if you, especially if you have to clear your throat, go ahead and mute. Uh, but but I want you to stay open because we're having a round robin and, and dialogue on that. You're, 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 you made a great point. Uh, Miss Reggie, and and I would not be surprised if this captain did not scream, "I need help! I need help! I need help!" and and didn't really get any because I can tell you this right now unequivocally that I have I have nurse managers here in our city who's reached out to me. I'm sure that they have talked to their 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 ones that are above them, their their nurse directors. Uh, and and not gotten any place. They need supplies. Uh, we we have 16 women now who start sewing on last night, and that's already made uh, mask. And so they they don't have any PPE supplies. And so they've reached outside of the hospital and reached out to me. They know that's my profession as well. Retired uh, United States Army officer who was a registered nurse in the military. So. So you don't just stop at one place. You go and try to continue on until you get the help that you need, right, until somebody hears you. And we know, as Miss Reggie says, that in this day and time, we know what's going on in this nation, and we know how things are with this COVID-19. And so everybody is stressed out with trying to get the help that they need. Uh, Mr. Thurman, I think that you had some comments or someone uh, had some comments in regards to this. Councilwoman, I have a comment. Yeah, I go, think by all um, means, go right ahead. I think during this time, none of us have the answer. That's the truth. Because none of us know anybody have had experience with anyone who has had um, who's been a global pandemic. 
Um, And so I think it takes one compassion, but I also think we have, we, we have to get to a place where we really look at our traditions because this thing, you know, when we talk about this is, this has changed us and we're never going back to the way we were. We also have to understand that that means as that pertains to our traditions as well, because tradition in that case, could have taken more lives than, you know, than possibly happened. But we wanted to hold to tradition and we held him accountable, you know, for the tradition. But it wasn't about the tradition. You know, this is a horrible thing that's happening to people all over the globe. But we're really, it's really forcing us to get back to being just people. And, and leveling the playing field, and it doesn't matter what your rank is, how much money you have, what your status, none of that matters. This thing doesn't care about any of that. And I think if we, we have to slow down enough to go, that tradition may have worked two weeks ago, but today it just simply doesn't work. And if we can get to the place where we go, we need to do what it's going to take to save as many lives as we can, then our traditions are going to have to change just like the way we work today had to change. Absolutely. And it also brings uh, the awareness level. What he did brought the awareness level even up at least 10 notches so that we could react in doing what we needed to do to try to find other sources and, and to think out of the box. And I think the the general public and the corporations needed to get on board. And I think that that's the positive that maybe came out of this. I'm hoping it is. Right. Well, and I, I don't know if you guys know, but I heard that I read somewhere that after he left and was fired, that he is now positive for COVID-19. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, go go ahead. I heard some. I heard Mr. Thurman, I believe, or someone in the background. Well, you know, was I just was gonna, okay. I think all it right. was me. Go ahead. You, you know, I okay, was going to say ahead. with all the different things that are happening. You know, we mentioned community and how important community is, and so yeah. he had to go out of what he knew to be uh, his current surrounding and situation, and he had to go to the community. He had to depend on other people beyond himself. And I think in so many different areas, we're going to have to look at things differently. You know, from uh, we talked about domestic violence. We need to look at that. We talked about, well, we maybe didn't mention cleaning. There are so many areas that we are operating in a deficit of, and I think this will bring light to so many things that we need to improve that we didn't think anything about prior to this global pandemic. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, May I, I totally ask, please, Mother? Yes. yes, please, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you. Good, wonderful comments thus far. I want to speak from the public health point of view, those of us who are geeks and who like to sit in lab all day and study the medical history, holding sure. two PhDs, one in anatomy and physiology and the second one in microbiology with the focus on virology, the study of viruses, much of what we're seeing today is a repeat, unfortunately. And those of us who have to study a public health 900 and public health 2000, we're cringing right now because this is playing itself out exactly the way it played itself out 100 years ago. And although 
the only ones of us who were here probably may have been two or three, those centenarians. It's happening exactly the way it happened then. It got the name the Spanish flu because Spain was neutral in World War I, and they were the only ones who were reporting the unadulterated truth. So when you hear people talk about conspiracy theories, I often say you don't really have to have a conspiracy theory because we have historic proof. But most people say, oh, history was so boring. I really didn't like it. But whenever I am in a lecture hall in a medical school, I always relate everything back to, okay, we found out about anesthesia in the 1890s. That was 30 years after slavery was abolished. We have to connect those dots. So in connecting those dots, by the end of that pandemic, which did last 24 full months, the first wave came and got the poor. But wave two and three came and got the affluent and the wealthy, and the playing field was leveled. But when there were loans and grants, the old ugly racism reared its head, and those businesses were the first ones to get reestablished. So we have the opportunity now to do things differently. We don't have to keep making some of those same mistakes. By the end of 1920, the authorities would shoot anyone who did not have a face covering. So I would just ask everyone to go back to start Googling some papers that were written, find some videos that were talked about that pandemic, and we can see how we can cease to make some of the same mistakes. And, of course, we haven't had the kind of leadership that we have now. And we use that term loosely. But I would just ask for everyone to go back and study some disaster techniques and study what they did in any public health textbook. It's very basic. But thank you so much. Excellent point. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, Miss Rihanna, any comments? That that was outstanding, daughter. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. Excellent points. And I do have two comments piggybacking. I spend a little time on Twitter, so um, you know all the all the craziest of the crazy comes through my news feed, and um, among <laughs> some of the crazy making that's going on on Twitter uh, is a lot of this. Um, it starts from the top, uh, racist things that are attached to this, uh, calling it the Chinese virus and things like that. And it, when she when uh, Dr. McKellar uh, said something about the Spanish flu, it reminded me that people really are um, misinformed about a lot of things, and a lot of it is deliberate misinformation, and there's just, you know, people on Twitter talking, well, the Spanish Spanish flu wasn't considered racist. Why is calling this the Chinese virus racist? And I'm so glad Dr. McKellar just told us exactly why it was called the Spanish flu. Thank you. Um, Everybody else was afraid <laughs> yes. to let their uh, enemies know that they were fighting a pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just hugely important that we keep ourselves informed. We have nothing better to do if we're stuck inside, right? So let's pick up a book, yeah. everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, Very good. The second thing I wanted to say is, um, and this was touched on a little while ago several times, um, but it's just that anybody out there who is critical of um, of how this uh, Navy captain was um, got the information out there. I think they really need to remember it's just really recent history. This administration and this uh, group of elected Republicans in our federal government has been doing everything they can to silence people, to silence truth tellers, to demonize truth tellers. Even whistleblowers, 
people who a short time ago, a lot of these people were all about protecting. Uh, now they're all about getting their mob behind to send death threats to. So people who tell the truth, people who want good information out there, uh, are treated very poorly by this administration and by a lot of people in power. And I think that this guy is a hero for getting information out there that needed to be out there. Very good. Thank you so much for that. You know, l- l- let me let me transition over to uh, something that that is just amazing to me. Uh, we know that, uh, and I a few minutes ago I asked uh, Miss Colette, uh, had she uh, finished her doctorate? She said, no, not quite, but she's working toward it. So once she works toward that and then completes all of her paperwork and and her her. Uh, committee says you are now Dr. Collette. We can call her Dr. Collette. So now we're hearing uh, people saying, uh, don't call Dr. Jill Biden doctor because she's (laughs) not a medical doctor. And that is so ludicrous. Uh, and, And it's an insult to me because I have a doctorate degree in nursing and healthcare management and I'll worked hard to acquire that right okay so let's talk a little bit about should dr jill biden be called dr jill and i think where it got started at even she's not a medical doctor we already know that there's there's more than one form of a a doctor that's a a medical doctor is a physician but there's you can have a phd and all kinds of things right so that's right I think Whoopi Goldberg said on one of her shows, because she thinks uh, Dr. Uh, Jill Biden is very smart, and she is, that she should be Surgeon General. So she says if if uh, if uh, other folks can hold the positions that they're holding, she should be able to hold that position as well, mm-hmm. Surgeon General. Now, mm-hmm. I, I understand that maybe she was just being facetious, and I, I believe that a Surgeon General should be a physician, but... But if a person has, and it's interesting that you said that about a female, but if, and and I don't mean to make a difference, but let's just face it, if it was a male, would that, would we have, would we be having this conversation? That's right. Would we? That's right. That's what I was just texting you. (laughs) Is that right? No. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Bernie supporters are, are really fond of reminding us when we point out Bernie's shortcomings on a lot of really important social issues, they're the first ones to say, well, Bernie marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. Do they think Dr. King was a medical doctor? They don't question the, there's no uh, thought process that goes beyond what their point that they want to make right then and there. Dr. Jane Sanders is Bernie's wife and she's not a medical doctor. This is ridiculous, but they're grasping at straws. Let's talk about that, Miss Reggie. From you on that, and then we'll then we'll go on. A, we'll do a round robin and talk about that. We have a doctor, the other I, I say the other doctor, McKellar, Doctor Natasha, the other Doctor McKellar, uh, my daughter uh, has a doctorate, and so people who work and struggle to get there, yes, they have earned being called doctor, whatever. I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with calling her Doctor Jill Biden. I think that that's fair and I think it's appropriate and it's it's not uh, right for anyone to try to measure or determine what she's able or capable of doing uh, with that in mind. Right, right. 
Exactly, uh, because you're right, and especially in the professional setting. In the prof- may, you know, maybe in a personal setting, uh, you may call people by their first names or whatever. But it's certainly in a professional setting on national TV or whatever. She's Dr. Jill Bryden, uh, Miss Collette, and then we'll get to the other ladies. Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing: all of my friends who are doctor, I call them that. I have the absolute go. utmost respect because anybody who has not been on that journey does not understand what that journey yes. is like. That is not Absolutely. an easy thing to do. There and you I go. Str- the truth is I struggle um, with um, coming off of my sabbatical and finishing my research because I know that the, the American dream doesn't come by way of the number of degrees you have. I will finish because all I have to do is my research. But here, that goes right back to Councilwoman, what I said before uh, for us women, that guilt that we're we're plagued with and that you think you're better than idea. And why are we even talking about that? Because, Hmm. one, it's probably people who aren't doctors or don't have doctorates better saying that. That's number one. But number two, a physician, if you understand the terms, is a medical physician. You know, a doctor, there are multiple kinds of those, including, like mine, in education. You know, so they're, they're coming from this thought process. They're coming from this place of ignorance, unfortunately, and they're expressing an opinion based on an ignorant an ignorance, which is a lack of information, and so for for one, and then the other thing is that that going back to that age old thing of holding us as women to this place where we it's almost like you you can't stand in and be comfortable with who you are, and you can't be bold about it, which is why mm-hmm. all of my friends who are doctor, even when they go, you don't, you know you don't have to call me doctor, I know that, but I respect the fact that you did that work because there's not, there's not a whole lot of us that do that work and actually accomplish mm-hmm. it, so I respect that. So I'm going to call you that because I understand what the journey is. And so I just think it's right back to that thing where we can't stand in, in, in confidence in who we are, and I, I think it's a shame. Right. Very good. Ms. Yeah. Jean, you have any comments on that? And then, uh, then we're going we're gonna to finalize with, with the, uh, our health care system, and we're going to take a look at Chicago and the number of coronaviruses. Seventy-two percent of those deaths are African-Americans. And, and we know that uh, 30% of the Chicago population is African-American. We're going to end with that. But, uh, Ms. Jean, comments from you on uh, Dr. Joe Biden, please. I, I just feel that it's about people, in my word. Um, anybody has, and I'll echo those um, sentiments, that people work very, very, very hard to earn that degree. And no matter what step of the way, once you receive it, if it's a PhD, if it's an MD, it's a doctor. And they've earned that respect to be called doctor. And it it really, um, it gives them the ability to speak knowledgeably and to um, give them an opportunity to be an authority on the specific area of their expertise. And I think that tarnishes it when when we don't have that respect for them. 
That's beautiful. Uh, and then we, we're going to end on this note with, with Dr. Nataka, but I, I'll tell you a little quick story uh, before, uh, before we, we have her comments. When she was two and uh, I, I wanted to buy her a, a nurse's kit, uh, you know how they used to carry the, the the bags. They had the black, big black bag for for the uh, physicians, the doctor bags, and then they had the nurses bag, and it was a a little white bag. It was smaller, and so I I was she was two, and I was asking her, trying to give her this bag to buy this bag for her, and uh, and she didn't want that bag, and so she said, I want that one over there, and she pointed to the big black one <laughs> that was the doctor's bag. And uh, even even though it, it that was a medical bag, but she let me know even at a very early age that she was not, and, and because I was a nurse, and so I was trying to push my profession off onto her. And so her, she wanted her profession to be research and dealing with a little bit differently from what the nurses. So go ahead, uh, Dr. Michaela Nataka, and make us <laughs> Thank your you. comments Thank in you regards so to you. <laughs> And, yes, uh, you know, I haven't encountered that, and it's, a lot of people really don't understand exactly what's involved with a Ph.D. If you have a Ph.D. in basket weaving, you should be able to talk about every basket being made in the world. That is your area <laughs> of expertise. But with uh, biomedical Ph.D.s, we get those in the medical schools right along beside the physicians, and we go on and teach the physicians. But it's a lot of work that's involved. And when you're doing biomedical PhDs, it's insulting if we can tell you about every formula and somebody says, oh, you shouldn't call yourself a doctor. So sometimes we say professor, sometimes we say doctor. I always say don't call me late to the dinner table or to get my coins exactly. I like those. But while we're like talking about uh, viruses, I just want people to know exactly what it is. Since this is the topic, and we've been talking about this for 35 years, the technical definition is an infectious obligate intracellular parasite. It's comprised of genetic material, either DNA or RNA, and it's often surrounded by a protein coat or sometimes a membrane, and that membrane is a lipid membrane. So if you think about how you put your Dawn in the dishwater to break down the grease, that's why we encourage you to continue to wash your hands. So people are talking about viruses, and they don't technically know exactly what it is. It has two phases, a non-living phase called a virion and a living phase. So it doesn't have, you'll see the newspaper say the virus wants to do this. We cannot anthropomorphize the Mm -hmm. non-living part because it doesn't have any goals. It's just a passive agent. And we help it to get into our mucous membranes when we eat or touch our faces. I hope that has helped someone to even know what it is that we're talking about because I cringe at some of the misinformation that I'm seeing on Twitter and Facebook. Exactly, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure all of us can remember when our parents used to tell us, "Keep your hands, keep your hands out of your mouth, take your hands from your face." And we didn't. I mean, we were one and two, and we didn't know why they were telling us that, but they did tell us that. And then they say, "Because your hands have germs on them," and we didn't know what germs were at that age, but we can remember our parents telling us that. I don't know if the gentleman, Mr. Thurman, I don't know if you have any comments, and Miss Rihanna, if you have some comments in regards to that before we end with Chicago. if, if Mr. Thurman, if you have any comments, you can quickly take a minute to do that. I don't believe he is on. I think we lost him a little okay, bit ago, okay. so sorry. Good. No worries. Ms. Rihanna, any, any comments in regards to Dr. Jill? Um, oh, oh, my goodness, to Dr. Jill. Um, <laughs> anyone who earns their doctorate is 
a doctor. So it's a ridiculous question, and we just don't question that about all of these male professors or anything like that. So I think there's some sexism involved here. Uh, There's some ignorance involved here. I love all the comments. And just one little quick thing on uh, COVID-19. I was just reading about uh, Target delivery employees are set to walk off the job. They're feeling um, the quote was undervalued. So um, I know I thanked the produce guy at Kroger the other day just for being there and doing a job. And it put a smile on his face. And I know he remembered it that night and felt a little better going home. Let's all kind of remember to do that if we can. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Have been amazing comments, and we want to end with the sailor. We know that there, Miss Rihanna just sent me an article how uh, how the sailors on that ship uh, is throwing profanities at uh, Washington D.C. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're really upset mm. that they don't feel that they have been valued or they have been taken care of. And so this is wow! Is it ever prayer time for us in this country? It's amazing. So final in the last uh, few minutes. Let's talk a little bit about uh, health care in Chicago. We know that uh, that it's been reported breaking news, and I just saw it. I don't know if you guys are uh, – I usually keep my television on when I'm, I'm on the show so that I can see what breaking news are. And 72% of the deaths in Chicago has been African-Americans, and Chicago only and consists of 30% African-Americans. Go back to um, health care. We know in our state, in the state of Texas, our, our uh, governor refused to have Medicaid expansion. So we, even though we can't turn people away, if somebody uh, positions at the hospital and is in critical condition, you got to take care of them. Uh, but but we're in some crucial and some serious times. So anybody that wants to dialogue on uh, anything in regards to healthcare, we'll go to you first, Miss Colette, and then uh, Miss Reggie, and we'll Miss Jean. We'll do a round robin in with Dr. Uh, Nataka, and then of course then Miss Rihanna, and it'll be almost time for us to end the show. Go right ahead, Miss Colette. I will tell you this: what I haven't said is my son is a Northwestern law student living in downtown Chicago. And wow. while we're having this conversation, I am texting him because he walks and runs eight, ten miles a day, and he's still wow. out doing that. And we've been having this conversation back and forth. And so that's startling for me uh, because he's 22, and, and immediately, you know, when this happened, I'm like, okay, you should come home. And he thought, okay, I'll come. And then when he decided, then, you know, it was like, okay, well, you, do we want you on a plane at this point? And so – um, being from Michigan, I spent a lot of time in Chicago. I have a significant amount of family in Chicago. And I, to be truthfully honest, I am not surprised by the number. That's sad that I'm not yeah. surprised by the number. Um, but I think the other piece is every day, I, I, what I can't understand is why are we out? Why are we out just visiting like we're not in having a pandemic why are you at the store every day why didn't you just get everything you needed for the month and stay home and we're guilty of continuing to carry it everywhere we go and we're not considering the other people if you don't have to go stay home I got a a message that said hey let's meet up this week I said no I'm what what part of pandemic don't you get we're not meeting up you could have it and it could lie dormant in you, and I could get it, and it could okay. respond differently. I don't, 
I don't understand the people who are out every day. I haven't driven my car in a week and a half. I ordered groceries yesterday that I can't pick up until Wednesday, and that's just fine. I'm going to drive up. I'm going to pop my trumpet. I'm going to put them in there. I'm going to give them a tip because I appreciate the fact that they're there, and I'm going to come home because I don't want to be the one responsible for carrying it to someone else. It might not be me, but it might be the fact that I carried it to someone else, and I think we just have to take it more serious. Very good. Thank you so much for that. And, and let me just share with, with everybody out there is that if you don't have a driver's license to get you into Texas to show that you're a Texas resident, you can't come in. Our airports are shut down for bringing people in because people are trying to get in. They're even trying to use their private planes to get in as if, as if the people in the tower don't know that you're out there. You can't get in. No crossing, and you're 100% correct. Ms. Reggie, your comments, your final comments, please. Well, I think it goes back to what your daughter mentioned before about what happened 100 years ago. It started with the poor, and then it progressed. The same thing is going on in Chicago. There are different levels. Yeah. If, if you are affluent, you're affected one way, and if you're not, you're probably being treated another way, which means your health care is a little different, <laughs> you know, on yeah. one side of town than it is on another side of town. And so those That's statistics right. are going to be uh, different greatly different. So they're just experiencing um, a repeat of history. And and they've experienced that for a very long time, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Ms. Jean, your comment. Yes. um, I'm actually on the Wisconsin-Illinois border, and I know that we've been been advised, though, that we cannot cross the border. Number one, I've been home, and so definitely taking this seriously, um, there is an elderly, uh, my aunt is elderly, and, and we need to be diligent and not compromise her health in any other way uh, and and people need to take it seriously in Kenosha we've had effective today 108 cases and over the weekend one death and unfortunately it was an 85 year old and, and the daughter of that individual went on Facebook and she shared that she individually was alone. She could not be with her mother or her brother to yeah. grieve the death of her father. Yeah. And and yeah. I think if people could see it, sometimes a visual makes an impact. So I applaud her because Thank of the you. impact she made. I am so, so sorry for her loss. I know it was a friend of my cousin's, and she was a mortgage lender uh, uh, in the community. Mm-hmm. And our heart goes out, and that one person's death is not going to go without some sort of benefit in sharing with others to take this seriously. And wow. Dr. McKellar, on another note, I, I, it, same, same line, though, I do want to share with you, effective today, an interview was done, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, by CNBC this morning, the chairman and CEO of Medtronic, which is a corporation, biomedical corporation in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. They are collaborating and possibly partnering with Foxconn to build the ventilators. There is a Marquette professor that created a ventilator under $300, and they're working on to having that done within the Wisconsin area, which that is bringing some hope as well. 
Very good. Thank you so much for that. Uh, let's see, Dr. Nataka, your final yes. comment. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, just to piggyback on what everyone else has already said, the poor uh, don't have to be all of color. I often say no matter what race you are, if you are earning under $50,000, you may as well be considered poor because sometimes uh, the bias in hospitals makes people feel that way. And we have to continue to be cognizant of all of the issues that were happening before COVID-19 hit. We were having issues with the 47 million who didn't have insurance. Those people are affected by COVID first and harder than the affluent. We were losing 700 to 1,200 black women in labor every year. That's what we are talking about in maternal fetal research all the time. How do we answer that problem? Now women are not being able to labor with their partners. Doulas are being kept out. So we're being affected in more ways than one with this pandemic. And from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying thank you when they come into the medical center. They're giving their verbal appreciation and thanks for us being there. I enjoy hearing that people are tipping because they don't have to be at Target or Walmart or even at the drive-thru when you want to get a salad at Wendy's on your way home after a shift. Yes, very good. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Ms. Rihanna, uh, do you have any comments? And then then I'll finalize, and then I'll give it back to you and let, let you end us for the evening. Ms. Rihanna. I just want to remind everybody that politics matter public, because public policy matters. And right now, this is not addressed to conservative-leaning Americans or Republican Americans. This is the elected Republicans in office right now are showing a a depraved, craven indifference to the well-being of vulnerable Americans. And we are in the midst of a historic crisis right now. It matters who we elect into office. And we have elections right. coming up. It, it just matters what people say to you uh, that they right. want to do, uh, the words that they use, the actions mm-hmm. that they take. There's never been a better time to pay attention because it does yes. affect your life and it does matter. Your voice counts. Very but good. it's so hard. It is an outstanding comment. I just real quickly want to share it, but it is with sadness that Wisconsin right now, the Supreme Court today, yes. stated that we have to go vote, and yet we need to oh. be conscious of, I mean, they did not allow us the um, the extension that wow. we were hoping to get. And so okay. now it, it, I feel people are going to be compromised. Mm-hmm. That's right. well, absolutely. It makes no sense. That, what a great way uh, to end this. It makes no sense that Wisconsin has to try to get out there tomorrow and vote. To me, that's voter suppression. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just by design. But the, the one yes. positive thing that I can say that we can end uh, on this note, even though we have and we expect uh, many, many more cases, even Dr. Fossey said we can expect between 100,000 to 200,000 people that may die of COVID-19. Uh, and I mean, the disease caused by this is just unprecedented, but it's just but we've seen it. We've read about it, I should say, 
before, and my, my daughter mentioned it with the Spanish flu in, in past time. But the, but the one positive thing that I can say, uh, if this will help us make it feel, feel a little bit better, is that we have 200,000 uh, people who have actually recovered uh, from uh, COVID right. virus 19. So that's, that makes us feel a little bit better that we have some amazing uh, first responders out there, frontline workers uh, in the hospitals and uh, in the clinics throughout the nation that is providing some amazing health care. And we just continue to pray for those that they will remain safe and that things will get better as the time go by. But I say, this is my final comment, I say that it's not going to get better until we shut it down at least for 15 days and see who is infected and who's not and who can be tested and who's, who's not being tested. And we're not testing enough people. We already know that right now. So thank you, ladies. You've been amazing. It's been an amazing show. It's always a pleasure. And we invite everybody to come right back here again on next Monday night for Marvelous Monday. Even though we have a lot of trying things going on, it's still a marvelous day because we opened our eyes this morning. And now, Miss Rihanna right. will give us our final announcements, and then she'll play our theme song. Stick around and listen to our theme song. And uh, ladies, thank you so much, Miss Reggie. Thank you so much, Miss Colette. And thank you so much, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Matella Nataka. It's great to have you. And thank then Miss Jean, our regular. Thank She's you. our regular. So yes. it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Miss Rihanna, it's all yours. We'll hear from you now. Thank you so much. God bless. Just, just two announcements. Uh, we thank our guests for being with us tonight. Uh, that's awesome that they've taken the time to give us such good information and spread such positive uh, energy. We appreciate that. And the other announcement is we just want you to take care of yourselves and take care of one another because we love you and we need you to love one another. So have a great night. One day when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Oh. the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glory is destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, his spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, 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 gl
woman and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win a war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day when the glory comes 